This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And away we go. It's the panel show every weekday afternoon at this time here on the Oakley Show. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Let me introduce our panel. First and foremost, Alyssa Freeman, PR and pop culture media expert. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Kevin Goodhead is the president of Brightpoint Strategy and formerly of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm great. Thanks, Johnny. Great day for Talk Radio. Thank you for that. Nice to have you on board. Rocco Rossi, the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, formerly the CEO of Prostate Cancer Canada. How's Rocco doing? Uh, the band's all back together again. I'm doing really well and loving that pizza. Oh, yeah. From Pizzaville. <laughs> Our sponsor. Man, every- in the past from a week ago. <laughs> I'm, yeah, it seems like everybody's uh, got a Jones for the pie while uh, this is in progress, so we'll have to you arrange for that. You want a slice that. of that action? Or oh, no, I was waiting for that. That's I was right. waiting for that. Your boy, uh, Angelo Contardi, isn't he looking yeah. after you? Yeah, he oh, takes care of me. Oh, there's My your cousin. Husband. Your cousin, very nice. All right, listen, uh, speaking of taking care of folks, Oshawa, General Motors, they're announcing they're going within the year, uh, and there's talk of politicians needing to do something. Next hour, Andrew Shear is going to join us, so it'll become the inevitable first question. What can politicians do? Because, you know, Doug Ford is being pilloried in the legislature. Andrea Horvath saying, you know, you've cratered. There's something you should do. Justin Trudeau saying, there's something we're going to do. Uh, we don't know if he's just paying lip service to it. Throw it around the horn. Rocco, do you think there's anything at this point any of our politicians provincially or federally can do to forestall what looks to be the inevitable? Well, I think the key is we want to focus on competitiveness in general because, um, First off, it's it's a tragedy, obviously, for the uh, yeah, for the twenty six hundred jobs but, in the immediate. No, but we have to we have to focus on the long term and the big and the big picture. And if we if we're just in the bailout business, that's um, that's a tough. Well, General uh, road Motors to said they at. didn't even want a bailout. And Doug asked, want, yeah. And uh, according to Doug Ford, he was told numerous times, "There's not anything. This is a done deal." So he announced that that ship has left the dock. And he's got everybody climbing all over his back, including the two union guys I had on yesterday, Buzz Hargrove and Jerry Diaz. Kevin, is there anything realistically, practically that any of these politicians can do? Well, I don't see how if the business says no. Um, market forces being what they are, this company's had some clearly some management challenges. You know, a little known, a little noticed fact of the announcement was that they're they're stopping production of the Chevy Volt as well. Right. Um, look at uh, this industry's got capacity problems. And GM's part of that. And low-cost wages in Mexico are the ones who win here. How do you forestall that unless you're willing to shovel more large buckets of taxpayer money into the private sector and picking winners and losers? We already shoveled $10 billion or $13 billion or some really large amount of money. 10.8. Nine years ago. They paid some of it back and some of it uh, we got in shares. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know how it nets out, 4 or $5 billion. Um, Look, the, the best thing I think we can do as a society and government is to put in place the best measures possible to transition employees during difficult time. All right. Uh, the idea that this might even be a litmus test for Justin Trudeau coming into an election year. I mean, he's really on the hot seat, isn't he? As much as uh, more so than Doug Ford, I would think. Alyssa? I think it's equal, John. And I think when you ask the question, what can we do or what can politicians do now? What they can do now is better message about the issue. 
I think that one of the reasons that Doug Ford is being pilloried is that he basically repeated what he was told, which was, this ship has sailed. So he told the truth. And he did tell the truth, mm. but there was no couching around it. There was no sort of this, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to help, as Kevin said, we might help you transition. We might help with this. I mean, the writing was on the wall. There were 40,000 jobs 10 years ago, and there's 2,500 now. So, however, it was the way he messaged it. And I watched that um, that press effort where he did give that message, and he honestly looked shaken of the because of the news and he honestly I felt really had that empathy towards the workers who were affected so you know full marks on being on showing having that sort of empathy but where it fell down for me was is that there was no call to action after it was sort of like this is it we have to live with the news and now we have to move on. So what on. would a call to action be uh, apart from paying lip service to we're going to make sure we do everything for these workers who are being displaced? It would have had to been something along that because sometimes you just need to give people what they need to hear at the time. And even though that there might have not been a, a concrete plan, he could have sort of rolled out some of those more uh, obvious tropes of we're going to help transition, we're going to think about different opportunities, you know, this province is still open for business, et cetera, et cetera. Ex- except that what happened yesterday was that it was end, the ship has sailed, end, full stop. And it was kind of a, a really sad moment. All right. Isn't, isn't part of the question what it is? What what is it that people need to hear? And uh, I heard your your interview yesterday with Jerry Diaz, and you know you asked him the question repeatedly. What are you What are you proposing gets done? And and uh, I think he dodged. There isn't. He doesn't have an answer to that no. question. So uh, I think one of the things painful things people need to hear actually is the truth, which isn't false hope about trying to keep a plant open. That's just not going to be kept open. Well, Jerry Diaz also said yesterday that uh, his plan, if you call it that, is to try to, and he was today to call uh, the head of the UAW and try to, in a show of solidarity, get them to uh, also shut down GM plants in the United States so that somehow uh, GM would get the message that Oshawa is not going quietly. I'm not sure. And how so practical. they just close sooner. Like uh, how smart a strategy well, not, is not, that? Not shut them down, yeah. but you know, bring grind right. them to a halt, halt. with a wildcat or yeah. something like that. I mean, I, I don't know that that's even practical to ask. Right. Get your workers to actually get paid less in the intervening eleven months that they may have left on a contract if they choose to. Uh, to uh, take advantage of the remaining amount of the con. I mean, it's unclear at this point in time whether or not they're going to get paid through the end of next November or the following 10 months thereafter. I mean, if his gambit is to try and get those extra 10 months, I guess that maybe that maybe this is part of that plan, but it's not clear. But right. I think his gambit actually is to show his his workers or, you know, his union, the, the members that I've got your back. At least I'm thinking of ideas. At least I'm trying to think about how to save these jobs, whether practical or not. But you <clears> asked <throat> that question, too, is, you know, what do we want people to hear? Do we want to hear pie in the sky? Do they need to hear pie in the sky initiatives like let's get together with the UAW and close plants? Not going to happen. Or do we tell them the truth? We bailed these people out in 2009. It, this is what happened. We, you know, we have to put a, a realistic plan of action in that doesn't result in pie in the sky yeah. ideas and, and false promises. And the reality is the, the economy is changing faster and faster. Industries are changing faster and faster. The premium on figuring out very, very strong lifelong learning, lifelong skilling and reskilling is critical. And I know, you know, you said it was a trope. It's not a trope. The, I was in a very interesting conversation last night with um, 
people from OPG and, and, and from Bruce Power. And quite frankly, OPG and, and Bruce are going through massive refurbishments of the nuclear reactor fleet in Ontario that's going to require tons of, of work, skilled labor, et cetera, both from the construction and then, and then afterwards. And so there are going to be opportunities and opportunities right in Durham with Darlington and, and, and Pickering. And so we've got to get together. And to your point about, you know, what's the action plan? It's around things like that, where there's an absolute need uh, and there's growth in different sectors, but we have to be agile. We have to take advantage of the great college system that we have, the universities, the revised apprenticeship, et cetera, to really drive that opportunity for everyone willing to reach for it. It makes me think that, you know, and I, I hate to bring up the, you know, the, maybe the obvious of let's get a, a committee together. But honestly, when you talk about the colleges, when you talk about what Bruce Power was doing, when you talk about what other people are doing, maybe we need what what Doug Ford uh, should put together is sort of like a, a, bit, a bit of a think tank in terms of taking all these people who can help the province and make it better and show what they're doing and maybe show how we could create some synergies. Not that maybe anything will really come out of it, but at least it would be some sort of, you talk of a call no, to action. Something has to come out of it. It's well, not, yeah. well, all right. I think, but the important. first step is yeah. at least is, is at least consolidating well, some great ideas or having an articulated industrial strategy, strategy. right? Uh, and maybe that's part and parcel of the problem. Not uh, thinking ahead of the curve. However, talking I, federally or provincially, just well, to be clear. Yeah, well, federally, I guess. Uh, but listen. Buzz Hargrove, who was the past president of the Canadian Auto Workers, suggested yesterday, again, this is the, the Hail Mary thing that, you know, they're throwing. It's like pulling your goalie when you're down five goals and hoping something magical happens, uh, that maybe they could shut out the GM product from Ontario because Ontario not only manufactures, but they buy at least as many uh, as they manufacture. And so GM would get the message that way. I said, I don't even know if that's legal. He said, who cares? I knew, I knew he was floundering at that. I'm sure the dealership network would care. I'm sure they would. Uh, But there may be, maybe, and again, uh, you know, since we're all speculating, talking pie in the sky, a wholly Canadian solution to this. And I want to offer it up for your consumption here in a moment. See what the panel thinks. All right, let's get back in with our panel, Alyssa Freeman, Kevin Gadet, and Rocco Rossi. Topics worthy of discussion. The big one, of course, of the last few days has been this GM plant closure uh, being announced in Oshawa. Andrew Shear is going to join us uh, in the next hour, the leader of the official opposition, uh, to the question I asked originally of the panel, whether anything that any uh, politician or our leaders can do to forestall what seems to be the inevitable. But there's another twist to this, and somehow uh, it entered the talking points that maybe it's time for Canada to look into its own domestic automotive uh, manufacturing company so or nationalize what exists there since we poured 10.8 billion to bail out GM in 09 that uh, we have dibs on this plant Kevin Gaudet that's in your neck of the woods you must Jeez, man you deliver that with a straight face congratulations <laughs> well and all the both of us are looking at Kevin by the way just to- you've got to favor this no <laughs> <laughs> no exactly no, no. Uh, GM give me money give me money give me money I don't think so mm. Uh, no, uh, the, the job of government is to do the things that the private sector can't do. Um, and the private sector ought to be selling cars in, in whatever capacity or volume, uh, however small it is, not government. Um, so no, 
Well, and even if you look at the the private sector option that you were talking about uh, earlier on the on the show, Johnny, and thinking about Magna, which which does have the scale, and which actually at a couple of uh, car shows a few years ago actually came out with mm-hmm. a Magna car yeah. uh, prototypes, mm-hmm. basically with all of the parts that they do. And and I just can't see it happening because their customers would dry up. Uh, like if you're going to go into the market and compete against me, why should I help you be profitable and buy your parts? So Magna decided long ago it makes more money selling parts than it does trying to compete with their uh, customers. Or, or I, the, I doubt they'd go there. Right. Uh, let BMW brand right. BMW, yeah. but it's for all intents and purposes uh, mainly a Magna car. But, you know, the argument, and this was in an op-ed piece in the Star today, Germany uh, with Volkswagen, South Korea with Hyundai and Kia. Uh, these are major automakers who uh, built themselves up from wartime ruins, and they're domestic uh Again, they're sort of iconic to their nations. Do you see anything by way of economic nationalism? And by the way, it was pointed out to me back in 79 when I guess Chrysler was threatening to quit Windsor, uh, that Jim Coots, who was the chief uh, yeah. of staff of uh, Pierre, Pierre Trudeau, Trudeau at the time, suggested to Lee Iacocca, we'll come out with our own car called the Beaver. And, uh, you know, we'd go it alone. So does, I mean, think about the branding, the Beaver and, uh, you know. <laughs> The SUV or the crossover, the Mountie or uh, whatever it might be, the Black Fly. I'm thinking of all the sound effects that would go along with that. And it's a hybrid. It also runs on maple syrup. There you go. (laughs) And wood chips. Would you think that this might just be the time, a propitious time, with all of the innovation and skills that we have in Kevin's neck of the woods? you got the University of Oshawa Institute of Technology. We've got leaders in innovation. I mean, we've been shown to be uh, world class in that regard. Maybe we can. I think, you know, I think you said it before, you're one of the talking points that is coming out. And I think this is a really great talking point that if you're going to leverage on, you know, uh, someone else's misfortune or try to uh, gain some press coverage for yourself, that I think that this is a really good one. I don't know whether it has any merit. Uh, in the long run, but it certainly sounds good. And whatever he is saying, it's working because he's making the rounds of all the the radio shows. So I, I just think that this is a convenient narrative. Okay. Well, the question is whether or not it makes. Any I guess. Sense. I guess we could uh, we could have bought the Sony Walkman plant too, and we could still be producing Walkman today, right? We can or Discman. Oh. Sorry, we could have upgraded that to yeah. Discman. Now we could have our shares, and uh, every, every Canadian can have a Discman for Christmas. Well, no, wait a minute. No, no, no. no. I think that, the key Kevin. is the key is you want to find. Uh, lanes that other people aren't in or where you have a competitive advantage. Trying to ape what someone else has done is rarely a successful strategy. But we, for instance, have some of the world leaders uh, in autonomous vehicle, in AI uh, work. That's exactly what I was going to say. uh, Uh, you know, down at uh, down at Mars that uh, Uber just put $250 million into because we have world expertise in that. Don't don't try to reproduce what South Korea does. I mean, the 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 the, the beauty of global trade and, and exchange is an opportunity to allow each to find uh, the thing that they have the competitive advantage at and, and to be successful and offer that good and service to the rest of the world. Yes, but governments get involved in this stuff. They always right. make the worst decisions. I can't remember the year, but the the last Liberal government, I think it was under Dalton McGinty, could have been Kathleen Wynne, doesn't really matter, gave a whole bunch of money, and I think it was to GM when they were doing the Camaro plant. The V8 engine Camaro, just ahead of the great green craze. And then they shut down the line after they'd taken whatever the number was, 40 million bucks. Because we're terrible. Governments are terrible at making these types of decisions. 
Well, and, and the, so the idea of giving well, them even businesses more Businesses are to, often terrible at it. They just go bankrupt. The government doesn't. They well, come so, back so, for so more. Shareholders so shareholders lose. Yeah, you know, they, they take the risk in their capital. Exactly. And, so it's a different risk profile and it's different uh, disciplines. I'd rather to, choose for myself, thank you, where my taxpayer dollars go and I can choose whether or not they you know, stay not, in your pocket. Well, well, that's or, or I invest them in a company yeah. or not. That is exactly where I wanted to head. How uh, fortuitous that you glad brought to take the, you there. Well, you know, as the former uh, head of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, you may have something to say on Doug uh-huh. Ford and the feds <laughs> together uh, ponying up $62.5 million uh, for Maple Leaf Foods, this new innovative plant that they're planning to set up in London, Ontario, shutter a few in the GTA. I'm going to come back and we'll pursue whether or not uh, break. that is money well spent. So I'll give you a chance to let it percolate here. <laughs> then we'll come back right out of the blocks with Gadette, Rossi, and Freeman here on The Oakley Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I love the food industry, the chicken farmers. I love the chicken farmers. You guys are champions. And you're in the country of chicken farmers here. All right, there you go, Doug Ford, earlier today when the announcement came forth that uh, Maple Leaf Foods, which is a a private concern, this is something that uh, is sticking in the craw of many, that the government here in Ontario is giving up uh, $34.5 million to, quote, create great jobs, 1,450 directly plus 1,700 construction and spinoff jobs, said the Premier, the investment in this facility, it's not only the largest investment in the poultry industry, but the largest investment in food processing ever in Canada, and yet there have been uh, all kinds of critiques coming forth, none the least of which is from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation reacting to this corporate welfare handout to Maple Leaf Foods, saying, while taxpayers have many questions, apparently none of the decision makers involved considered this glaringly obvious point. Why would it be unreasonable for a business such as Maple Leaf to simply pay for its own processing plant itself, especially in the dynamic, innovative, strategic industry of cutting up chickens? Kevin Gaudet, you used to head this operation, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, your uh, successor. My host of my own paternity. Well, your successor, Aaron Woodrick, is, uh, well, he's being Keeping very the faith. sarcastic about this whole thing, but needless to say, not he's impressed. Got a good sense of humor, Aaron. He does. does. He's not impressed. How about you? Uh, it would be rude of me to argue with my uh, former colleagues, <clears throat> but I would point out, uh, politically speaking, it was notable to me in, during the election campaign that this Ontario PC party did not, in fact, promise to end corporate welfare. Um, I looked for it, and they avoided specific comment on the issue, and the media actually didn't pursue them on it. I was surprised. Um, so I, I kind of think they let they left the door open to this. Um, so I think the bigger question going forward will be whether or not they do it to the magnitude that the previous government did, because if they're looking to balance the budget, this is one place to find savings. All right, uh, two, so you're not impressed, but is it justifiable? Two, two things, yeah, two things. First of all, the 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 sort of the the cynicism about the agri food business. The reality is, and it, and people don't pay enough attention to it. But one in nine Ontarians are employed in the agri food business, whether it's agriculture or food processing, and it actually contributes thirty nine billion dollars to Ontario's GDP, which is more than the auto industry at thirty six billion. So this is is an important segment not to, uh, not to, to, to belie the point too much. But secondly, um, one of the things that is a bit unfortunate is that the federal government, at the insistence of lots of business groups, including ourselves at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, just announced in the fall economic update 
uh, a matching, um, not completely, but but largely of what Trump had done in the U.S. with 100% capital depreciation, accelerated depreciation, so writing off an investment. So I'd be interested to see the math uh, because, in effect, with the new, if it's timed appropriately with the new tax measure, they're already getting additional uh, help by making that investment that's probably worth as much, if not more, than the $60 million. What you're saying is the $60 million not necessary then. It's just a sweetener well, that might have been excessive. Look, I, I don't have the full math mm. uh, in front of me, and, and they negotiate the best deal they can, and, and look, at that's, uh, that's their business. But, um, uh, but I think there's, there were some interesting things that happened in the interim, that might have changed the math a little well, bit. You know, I'm guessing that this would have been on plan for a little while. Uh, before. Had to have been. Yeah. This wasn't cooked up last week. Okay. Before the announcement came out of General Motors, but yeah. it might be fortuitous, the timing insofar as, you know, hey, jobs need to be protected. Right. Now, I don't know if that's a rationale here because, uh, you know, the chicken plant might be there anyway. And, you know, they might have paid for it on their own dime entirely. So I'm guessing, Alyssa, does this make sense to you? Is it bad optics for the province to be helping them uh, where it may not be needed? Uh, or does it make sense that, you know, this is, again, promoting an industry where there might be spinoffs, directly, indirectly, jobs? You know, that's the new currency for politicians. I mean, if you can promote jobs and job growth, you're solid. What do you say? I think it's the latter. And and as we've talked many times before, you know, the PCs are great at turning the channel and keeping that drumbeat, or, we, or as we say in the business, the constant drip of news. And in this case, uh, announcing that about the chicken plant is more about, uh, to me, is a bit of a, a Hail Mary announceable. Like, let's try and change the channel. Let's say that we are creating jobs. It may not be in the auto sector, but at least it's somewhere else. So when you start looking for things to change the channel, you look at everything on the docket, whether you we're going to announce it now or announce it later. And if you can push it up earlier, then you use it. So, but even when you played that clip of Doug Ford announcing that money, you know, he was very, he was a little bit uneven. We're supporting chicken farmers and chicken country. And I don't know, he, he was just all over the place with it. But you can almost tell that it was a little bit of a, a last minute Hail Mary, in my opinion. Well, I find the Pizzaville pizza with chicken on it is absolutely their best. <laughs> nice so. job. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is a Cut reminder. That's one of the winners. That is a, a topic worthy of discussion in and of itself. But, you know, when we come to government Yes, look, last week while I was away, but I was uh, made mindful of it, the media got bailed out by $600 million in the fall economic statement from Bill Marneau. You know, another beleaguered industry, but where do you turn off the tap? I mean, how do you pick? It looks to me the government is in the position of picking winners and losers, and obviously media, uh, legacy media especially, in that losing part of the ledger. You know, can you say that for other? Where do we go with this, Kevin Gaudet? <clears throat> well, there, excuse me, there is, there is no ceiling. There's no theoretical ceiling. It only becomes a practical ceiling, the, 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 the limit of the spending of other people's money. Um, how, how do you pick? I mean, the, the, the media one's really interesting, right? I mean, you already give a billion, $1.1 billion to the CBC, plus the advertising the government uh, departments and agencies do across the country at multiple levels to, to media outlets. And now there's an extra $600 million fund to be doled out by the media itself to the media. Um, 
And it's unclear how the committee works as well. Or who's well, the, yeah, going well, to be on we, the committee. We don't know who they are. They don't right. know exactly yeah. how they, right. exactly. I mean, it could be another $100 million. Who the and, heck knows? And who they bequeath. I'm sure, I'm sure Huffington Post. I'm sure Huffington Post, iPolitics, which is really another manifestation of the Toronto Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe even more. I mean, what other left-wing outlets could we? can they fund cash to, right? Well, okay, it's a rhetorical question, but I certainly know where you're going with this. Uh, all right, before we call it quits, I've got to ask you about something coming out of Manitoba, where Manitoba Sports has decided that the term midget, as in midget hockey, minor midget hockey, is derogatory and offensive to some. So they're deciding to, uh, it looks like, put the kibosh on this. But last week, here in Ontario, the Ontario Basketball Association announced they're dropping the term. Is it about time, Rocco? I, I think we've just lost all perspective. Really? Okay, Says the yeah. really, really tall guy on the panel. <laughs> I'm a midget. I'm proud of it, man. <laughs> well, I don't I'm know. wearing uh, it. Uh, I've worn it my whole life. I don't know what this does to midget wrestling, but well, they say it's offensive. Skylo <laughs> Low and Little yeah. Beaver fight no more. Uh, my wife calls me a midget. My I daughters should. call me a midget. Do they? As a term of endearment, I'm sure. I hope uh, so. Sometimes. <laughs> But you see, it might have had an impact that you're not fully appreciative of. Uh, you are lacking in self-esteem. Now. <laughs> you know, I'm not. <laughs> one thing I would say, Kevin, is not lacking. In. Uh, all right. Uh, Alyssa, from a branding perspective, do you think it's time to put the name to rest? I mean, for years, eons, there's been midget hockey, the midget tournament, this, that, and the other. Kill it? I think it's ridiculous. I really do. And I, Which part is ridiculous? The name or killing it? Killing it. Okay, so I you mean, want to see status quo maintained. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. Okay, no problem around the board? And I didn't realize that there was a, I guess, well, I guess there's a whole new well, sort we've of got, we, we really narrative a, there. We've really gotten to a point where... Uh, what do we call Con- connotation doesn't matter anymore, right? Uh, you, you context. Know, context, connotations just don't no. matter to anybody. It's We've decided this word is... Bad is bad. Period. You know, I, I, my kid. But if hockey. little people say it hurts <laughs> them, they've grown up with the the stigma. And uh, is that not enough to prompt people to say, okay, we'll be sensitive no, and compassionate? It's, no, it's not. What about cowboys and Indians? Kevin Hart, the comedian, had his uh, birthday for his one year old, and the theme was cowboys and Indians. And he's getting all kinds of blowback because the, the, his wife uh, posted pictures on Instagram, and people were oh my well, god. And there was a huge debate. There's a huge debate every Halloween: is this appropriate uh, for our kids? And but this, this is and a one year old, and yeah. they're sensing that a new generation does not beget a change in attitude or mindset. And so uh, Hart should know better. Okay, so cowboys and Indians, okay. Everybody's looking at me like I'm speaking Swahili all of a sudden. Of course it's okay. It's it's, it's part of historical context. Okay. Well, except that some people have pointed out, and it's not my words. I saw it. Western movies are among my favorite of all time. I know, but... uh, John Wayne, man. Should we be calling them, though, Rocco, spaghetti westerns? Oh, that's got nice. a nice, nice <laughs> Well, I think the good, the, I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and Sergio <laughs> Leone's first, a fistful of dollars, a few dollars more, some of the most brilliant Westerns made of all time. Drove really the genre. Yeah. Good, the bad, the and, ugly. And Neil Morricone. Like, let's... Yeah, yeah. The best soundtrack. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Which is ironic because that was the original name for the panel, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. <laughs> I'll play the second. Good. Who's the good? The Midget. I call the Midget. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. The Good, The Tall, and The Midget. All right. And The Midget. Finally, got to ask as we let you go, Rocco. I know this is uh, the month of November coming to a close, and uh, it's Movember for many. Yeah. 
uh, Prostate Cancer Canada, you used to head it, the former CEO. You've got a big fundraiser uh, coming up. Tell us about it. Well, a, a great uh, new annual Rock the Road uh, raffle. And once again, the generous people at the Toronto Air, uh, the, the Trillium Auto Dealers Association, the new car dealers of Ontario, have uh, kicked in a car. Uh, it's an Acura NSX. This car is worth $235,000. It is smoking hot. Uh, and because they're donating it, 100% of what you uh, you spend, the proceeds goes to Prostate Cancer Canada. There are only 30,000 tickets, 25 bucks each, three for 60 bucks. Go to rocktheroadraffle.ca and fill up. It's not a GM product, is it? It isn't. Is it manufactured here? Acura NSX. <laughs> what part of Acura NSX didn't you understand? I know, Rocco. Well, I'm right. only teasing Top you. speed, 307 clicks per hour. But 100% of the money will Which be spent Which would be illegal here. on the road, by the way. <laughs> it should be. Where could you actually <laughs> drive that? Just right. At the airport, press your friends. On the Autobahn. Yeah. The lead car at uh, the Indy, I guess. But anyway, uh, 0 to 100 kilometers in 2.7 seconds. Adrenaline-inducing speed. Rocco, uh, this sounds like quite the enticing prospect. Again, $235,000 vehicle. <laughs> Tickets, three for 60, 25 each. Rock the Road is the raffle. Look for it. We'll look for you next week. Appreciate you all coming in this Tuesday afternoon. Very much. There you go. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 